read a couple of chapters out of Ezekiel. It's, it's one of those books that often people tend to avoid because they're, they're just not sure about Ezekiel. They've tried to read it, and it's kind of like, whoa, this is out here. You know, uh, honestly, there's been, there's been uh, theologians out there who've said, you know, was Ezekiel on drugs? Did he have a psychotic breakdown? You know, there's folks that have asked these type of questions out there. But no, Ezekiel was just a different sort of person. Now, first of all, he was an Old Testament prophet, and very few Old Testament prophets were just regular Joes. I mean, they all kind of had just a different sort of, of bent, a different type of vibe going on. But really, among prophets, Ezekiel was kind of the, the weirdest of the weird, really. And so, but what we're finding out in, in, in our time in this book is that even though there was some pretty weird stuff, God actually has some really basic ideas uh, that can apply to us. None of us are going to be exactly like Ezekiel. Thank God. He, there was one Ezekiel. He was called to that mission. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I'm thankful I was not called to his mission. But there's so much in here that we can learn about God and his plans and his ways for us. So we started off in, in chapter 1, and we saw you know, Ezekiel there on the banks of the Kibar River, 700 miles from home. He was exiled, and God appeared to him. He had a vision, and, and, and God, some people, scholars call it the, the chariot of God. I called it God's ultimate off-road vehicle. But God shows up with this. There's four creatures who have four wings, and they've got four heads, and on top of that's a platform, and on top of that's a throne, and on top of that is the presence of God. And we saw that presence of God coming to him in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, we began to see as God spoke this mission that he would call Ezekiel to. And so he called Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, I've got a great mission for you. I'm going to get let you teach and preach to a group of people who rebel, and they will never listen to what you have to say. And they're going to be hard-hearted and stubborn. And yet, guess what? I'm going to bless you with a gift of uh, spiritual gift of stubbornness so you can be just as hard and stubborn as they are so that no matter how much they scowl, how much they threaten, how much they oppose you, you're going to keep preaching the message faithfully that I've called you to preach. And so at the end of that, you know, we, we saw where God taught him some, some, some interesting lessons. We called that sermon, we said, bitter pills make tasty spitballs. And it's because he read that scroll, um, he took that scroll that, was full, that God handed him that was full of doom and destruction and woe and distress, and God said, eat this scroll. He puts it in his mouth and he chews it up, and it says, it tastes like honey. And so God is teaching uh, Ezekiel that even in there's kind of a bitter task, a difficult task, that there was some sweetness. And so we talked about the fact that even when God go, takes us through valleys of the shadow of death or divorce or disease or, or financial trouble or emotional trouble or family problems, whatever we're going through, God is still with us and he's going to uh, even bring some sweet moments in the middle of that. And we talked about that. I mean, and we finally, we talked about the fact that God's hold on us is strong. Remember the last verses we, we read last time said that Ezekiel went away in anger and bitterness. And, you know, we expect these prophets to always do the right thing, always say, sir, yes, sir. You know, that's a, sure, God, I'll do this mission. But Ezekiel was upset and disappointed and angry, and maybe he was angry at, at the Israelite people for what they'd done, but probably also with God. And, and it was a difficult time, but the Bible says his hold on me was strong. And so matter, no matter what questions we have, what difficulties we have, 
God's holding on to us. So that's kind of the background to where we are today as we've come up to this place in the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to be reading from chapter 3, verses 16 um, and on through 27. So I want to ask if you would please stand with me at this time in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God, Ezekiel 3, 16 and 17. And the, um, you can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. After seven days, the Lord gave me a message. He said, Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked, saying, you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. But you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. If righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior and ignore the obstacles I put in their way, they will die. And if you do not warn them, they will die in their sins. None of the righteous acts will be remembered and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn righteous people not to sin and they listen to you and do not sin, they will live and you will have saved yourself too. Then the Lord took hold of me and said, get up and go out of the valley and I will speak to you there. So I got up and went and there I saw the glory of the Lord just as I had seen in my first vision by the Kibar River. And I fell face down on the ground. Then the spirit came into me and set me on my feet. He spoke to me and said, go to your house and shut yourself in. There, son of man, you will be tied with ropes so that you cannot go among the people. And I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be speechless and unable to rebuke them, for they are rebels. But when I give you a message, I will loosen your tongue and let you speak. Then I will say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Those who choose to listen will listen, but those who refuse will refuse, for they are rebels. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you in humble adoration. God, we come to you longing for an appearance of your glory. We we come to you understanding that as we come into this place together to worship, that your presence is here And God, we pray that you'd open our eyes so that we would see that in a greater way. Lord, we pray that the experience of Ezekiel, of you working in his life, would be a pattern to us, would would shine the way and help us see what we need to see to be more like you. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So in this passage, as God is speaking uh, to Ezekiel, as he is giving him his marching orders, he presents Ezekiel in three different ways, uh, three different types of, uh, of, of models that Ezekiel is supposed to follow to do his ministry. The first picture, the first image we get is that of a watchman. You know, in the ancient world, every city had a watchman. The watchman would be on a tower, and perhaps if it was a very large city, they might have had more than one watchman. But they always had at least one, a high tower. They would climb up, and they would watch, and they would look, and they would see if there was danger approaching. 
And this especially at night, because during the day, the gates to the city would be open and commerce coming in and out, and you could see people a long way off. But often enemies, whether they be bandits or foreign armies, would come and approach a city under the cover of darkness and, and try to sneak up and attack them and, and, and rape and pillage and do all terrible things to the city. And so the watchman was a vital job. Uh, it, was a, it was a really important job. You know, uh, as I was reading this passage, um, I kind of had a flashback. And some of you who went with us on our Haiti mission trip might have had a, a little flashback because there was a watchman there. We were down there in Haiti, and, 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 and Haiti, you know, we, we were safe, but we were safe behind tall walls around the mission complex with some barbed wire and, and, a, and a watchman up tall, an armed watchman. They were there. And uh, they weren't always real impressive because sometimes they took long bathroom breaks and sometimes we weren't sure if they were really awake up there, but they were there. You know, they were, we felt a little safer for them being there, okay? And, and even today, you know, most of us, we're not like in this ancient walled city or we're not down in Haiti and, you know, we don't have a, a, a watchman per se, but Yet we still do, don't we? we? We have people who watch out for danger, whether it's dangerous uh, weather or conditions, or, you know, we've got sirens that we listen to, listen for if tornadoes are coming. Or think about what happened in Hawaii a few days ago. I mean, it didn't happen here to us, but can you imagine how horrifying when that was when everybody got on their phone? You know, we're used to getting little amber alerts or weather alerts. But they got an alert on their phone that said a nuclear missile was headed their way for Hawaii. And it was a false, it was a false call. It wasn't true at all. And, and yet the governor said, I don't know the password to my Twitter. So he couldn't get in and tell people that, no, this is false. And all, you know what people do when they think the world is coming to an end? Can you imagine? <laughs> don't you think like two hours later there were a lot of people like, uh, I really didn't mean what I said to you and what I did when I thought the world was coming to an end. I mean, can you imagine how people acted? We still today, we rely on people in trusted positions to get us that information and to warn us when bad things are coming our way. And God said, Ezekiel, you're that person. Just like if there was a watchman who saw an approaching army and they said, <laughs> I'm busy with tic-tac-toe here. Um, I'm, I'm doing my crossword puzzle. I'll get around to warning some people one day. And, and they, this army comes in, and, and they invade. And if for some reason that guy was left alive and somehow they overcame those invaders, he'd be a goner. It's a you didn't do your job. The blood of the city is on your hands, watchman. God said, I'm calling you as a watchman, Ezekiel. I have given you a message, a warning of impending doom that is coming upon the people of Israel if they don't get right with me. And he gave a message of, it's interesting, it wasn't just a message to the, quote, sinners, to the people who were doing wrong, it was also to the righteous. He gave two messages. He said, number one, you better tell those people who are doing wrong, they better stop doing wrong or they're going to die in their sins. But he said, number two, Warn the righteous the same message. Why do the righteous people need a, a message of warning? 
Because sometimes people get tired of doing good. Sometimes they say, look, at the bad people, nothing's happening to them. They're doing wrong. Life seems to be working out great for them. Why should I be good? Why should I stand for God? Because those people aren't, nothing's happening. He said, you better warn them too so that they'll stay on track and that they won't get away from what they're supposed to do. And God said, I'm holding you accountable. You are accountable. Not for their behavior, but for your behavior. Not for their sin, but for your words. You are to speak the words of life. You are to tell them, you better repent. You better turn back to the right way. So he calls him a watchman. Then God moves him on out and says, go down to the valley. I want to speak to you some more. And so he goes out to the valley, and God has some additional words. First, he's a watchman. This second picture, he is a captive. God says, go to your house, and you're going to be tied up with ropes. You're going to be tied up with ropes. Now, it's like I told you, Ezekiel is strange. God called him to a different sort of ministry. Part of his ministry was that there he was in shackles or chains or ropes or whatever you want to call it. There he was. Have you ever been in like one of those old settlements um, where, where they had the little stocks they put people in? You know, I know uh, there was one of those down in Laurel, one of those old settlements. And I took uh, Caleb and Courtney's schools would sometimes go. And one time, I think it was Courtney's class, went on a field trip. And we all got the fun pictures of being in the stocks, you know, with our head and our hands sticking out. I imagine that wouldn't be fun for very long, though, right? But God said, you're going to be my captive, Ezekiel. That is, I want you to make certain that you only go and do what I call you to go and do. And you're not going and you're not doing anything else. The third and final picture that we see of Ezekiel is that of a mute God says, I'm going to make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth, and you're not going to be able to talk. You're not going to be able to say a word. Now, this is very interesting. God is called a preacher, a prophet, and said, I'm not going to let you speak at all. He says, so you're not going to be able to rebuke them. Now, here's what that's about. In other words, God says, you're going to say the message. I'm going to loosen your tongue and let you speak the message from me. But when they clap back, when they try to argue, when they try to fuss and say, what's all this garbage you're talking about, God judging us? Man, we've already been judged. We're already over here exiles. We can't get any more judged than this. Or, or you know, surely God won't do anything else to us. And he probably had a perfect response on the tip of his tongue. And right that moment, God says, Zoop. no, guess what? They've already had my wisdom. You've already spoken my words. And if they didn't listen to my wisdom, they're not going to speak to whatever your, listen to whatever your wisdom is. And so I'm shutting your mouth. So a watchman, a captive, and a mute. What do these three things have to do with us? How are they an example for us? Well, just like Mandy pointed out this morning, the big holiday this week, the big thing on most people's mind is not Ash Wednesday. 
And by the way, you need to come to our Ash Wednesday service that is on Valentine's Day so you can see how Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day get mashed up because I'm going to have figured it out by then, okay? So I can show and tell you, all right? Um, I'm still working on that. But come Valentine's Day, you can take your date on Tuesday night or Thursday night. It'll be cheaper and less crowded anyway, okay? So come to church Wednesday night for Ash Wednesday service. But we are thinking a lot about love this week. And I think these three images of a watchman, of a captive, and of a mute have a lot to say to us about how we love the world around us. First of all, as a watchman, what do you watch? What is your focus on? Are you consumed by your hobbies by your pleasures, by your own little world? Or do you actually look around at what's happening to people in the world around you? Do you actually open your eyes to see the hurts and the burdens of your neighbors, of your coworkers, of other people in your community, or even in your own family? We're not all like Ezekiel, God didn't give us this prophetic message of doom to go around shouting at everybody. That's, that was his message for Ezekiel, not for us. But he has called us to care. In other words, if you want to put this in a different biblical language, you and I are our brother's keeper. You see, from the very beginning of sin, those first two brothers, Cain and Abel, God says, Cain, where's Abel? Hadn't seen him around for a while. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. You are your brother's keeper. You are your neighbor's keeper. You are your co-worker's keeper. It is up to you and I to look around at a world in need. And the first and greatest thing they're in need of is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because nobody is going to heaven because they've dressed nice, because they've said nice things, they went, wore nice clothes, went to a nice church, People need Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins. They need to believe in him to forgive them of their sins and to become a part of God's kingdom. And as Paul says in Romans, how can they believe if they have not heard? And we can assume all day long that everybody's heard. Well, everybody's heard the name of Jesus, but a lot of them have heard it as a cuss word. A lot of them have heard it as an as a outcry of exasperation. Or they're getting fussed at. But there are still people today in this world, even in our country, in our community, who do not understand what Jesus did for them. And it is our continual job to care enough for them that we share that word. But our caring doesn't stop there. It goes on to, head, to, to heading on to looking at things like poverty or those who are in uh, crisis situations, they're in uh, financial hardships, whatever, we care. And so in that sense, all of us are to be watchmen. We are alert. We are looking. Secondly, when we look at the, the, the idea of a captive, he only went and did the things that God called him to go and do. I'm not saying God is... <laughs> just going to hold you at home and let you out on church to go to church on Sunday or just to go to your job or just to go to school. But do we really put some time into thinking about what we go and do? What are our priorities in a life? 
How often do we spend our time in activities and in places that really and truly, when, when we look back, we say, that was a waste, or, or that was nonsense, that was silly. A big part of this, though, is sometimes looking at your normal life, and if those things aren't wrong, and if they're not keeping you from spending time with your family or with the Lord, sometimes it's making sure that where you are in that activity you're in, that you're fully living for God, that you're being a witness and an example in where you are. Being a watchman, being a captive, being a mute. Wow. Now, this one's real interesting. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> Wouldn't we all have a lot less regret and a lot less apologizing to do if every time we were about to say something ugly and mean that, that we really shouldn't have, God was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you really, you were wanting to fuss them out and bless them out and you were wanting to tell them how it is and God just didn't let you and finally you calmed down and okay, I'm, it's all right. It's not that big of a deal, you know. But as long as you are mad and fussing and fighting, God just kept your lips sealed. Wouldn't that just, wow. It'd be really aggravating at that moment. We'd probably get even angrier than we already were. But yet God would, he would save us from so much trouble, right? Well, I don't know that God ever promised us that, but here's what he does tell us. He does tell us that if we are led by his spirit, then we produce the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what's that last really ugly word? Self-control. And we are, if we are led by God's spirit, if we're walking with him, not just we go and do our duty by going to church and check off a checklist that I've done religious stuff, but we're really communing with God and seeking to draw closer to him every day that that his spirit begins to fill our spirit more and more and even the words that come out of our mouth become governed and regulated by what God is doing in our life and I guarantee you just like God's words through Ezekiel were a lot better than his words would have been because I kind of you look you you get to know Ezekiel you think he he probably had some real good words for those people I guarantee it but God said, no, my words are better. And we need to learn to let God govern our words. Let his spirit work through each of us. And I think if, the, if we are watching for the people around us, for their heartaches, for their hurts, for the trouble they may be in, if we are controlling what we do and where we go out of love for God and for others, and especially what we say, then you and I will, have, will be very good valentines. We will be demonstrating love towards others in a way that is evident that something is different about us, and that's when we have the chance to say that something is Jesus. He took a stubborn, ornery, flawed, messed up person like me, and I still am that person, but yet, if you see any good come out of me, it's Jesus. It's what he's done in my life. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, thank you that you don't give up on us. And God, we're often a rebellious people. Just, you know, we look back and we say, those children of Israel, they messed up so much. And, and we do the same thing. God, you've blessed us. 
You've saved us. You've, you've done so many things, and yet, God, we, we slide back into disobedience or disbelief. God, you don't give up on us. You keep, you keep talking to us, and we're thankful. And we pray that that grace that you've extended to us, that we wouldn't be selfish with it. But just like those children who learned how much they could share your love, God, that, that we would do the same thing in sharing your love with a world around us that's desperately in need of it. And God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we come now to our time of commitment, it's your opportunity to do business with the Lord. And that can happen in a variety of ways. Maybe you have a public decision of joining this church or coming to profess your faith in Jesus Christ that you've never publicly done that before. I would love to do that. Maybe some of you uh, need to talk to me about what it means to trust Christ or, or, or you just have something you need prayer for. I would love to pray with you. Maybe there's something just between you and God, a burden for your own life or for someone else's, and you need to come and kneel at the altar and pray and give that to God. Whatever God's doing, you, you obey him, you follow him. Would you stand as we sing, take my life, lead me, Lord.